see you. Say good morning. Our God is great. Our God is great. 
it's amazing. God's love for us. We don't deserve it. We can't even earn it. But yet it's still there. It's beyond anything that we can comprehend or anything that we can imagine. You know, and I think that's so hard for us sometimes to grasp a hold of the fact that we are loved just the way we are. It doesn't matter what we did last night. It doesn't matter what struggles we're going through, what brokenness we're dealing with. The fact of the matter is God loves you right where you are. And so if we think about that, you know, we think about almost that we feel like we have to earn God's love. We feel like we have to somehow clean ourselves up and, and perfect ourselves, but that, that isn't true because God wants to be the one to do the perfecting because the reality is we cannot make ourselves perfect and we can't be perfect. Only Jesus can, so that's why we needed a perfect Savior. And so I wonder if we can just get that truth this morning, the fact of God's love and that we are loved no matter what, the way we are right now. How would that change how we see ourselves? How would that change how we love others? How would that change how we approach life? And so as we ponder and as we reflect on that this morning, let's just worship him. Let's just thank him for that love. And let's just try to get our hearts and our minds aligned with the fact that I am loved by my creator. Before I spoke a word, you singing over me.
ride up, bouncing you won't climb up, coming after me. Snow wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. God, nothing that we've done has earned it, God. Yet you still pour out your love for us, God. You pursue our hearts. You pursue a relationship with us, God. And I just pray, Lord, that we are humbled by that truth, God, but that we also come face to face with the reality that we are loved by our Creator, God. So, Jesus, we just thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you that you care about every single detail of our lives, Lord Jesus. And I just pray that you would continue to breathe life into every single part of us. God, I just pray that you'll be with gay and buddies. They deliver the message, God. And I just pray, Father, that we have not just come to do church, but that we've come to encounter you. We've come to get closer to your heart. So Jesus, speak to us like only you can this morning. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. great day to be in the uh, presence of the Lord and worship, and we're glad that you're here with us. Hey, we're going to take our offering at the next song, and if you uh, uh, like to give, you can give in all these ways up there, the many ways to give, and that uh, goes well beyond money, too. There's many ways to give that go well beyond money, uh, but God has called us to give back to him the first 10%. That's, uh, it's all his, but he just asked for 10%, and so... Uh, we appreciate those of you who are faithful to give, and we just ask that you give with a cheerful heart today and give as unto the Lord. Watch this video.
that's our, uh, just a, a snapshot of our ministry to the fine folks in India, uh, Hyderabad, India, and uh, with our family there, uh, Manu and his family. Manu, cool buddy. And uh, his family that we're a, we've been partnering with now for nearly two years. And we've had the opportunity to go there. Gay and I and a couple others have been there. And uh, what they do there is real ministry. Uh, you, see the, uh, you, saw, you saw the feeding of the children. Uh, they feed about 300 children. Uh, they try to do that every Friday. And uh, we've been in those uh, places and we were uh, able to be a part of that. It's a humbling experience and makes you realize and appreciate how much God has blessed us with. And, and also, uh, they gave out uh, blankets just recently. I don't know how many, but lots of blankets out. It's the uh, cold season there now. It's warm in the day and cold at night. And many people have, don't have blankets, and so they were able to give out blankets. They were able to buy the cinder blocks to build two church structures. And they did that because of our Thanksgiving offering. And so give God a hand and give yourself a hand that... Um, these are real people with real needs, and uh, they're meeting needs beyond what we can even imagine, and so we just want to say we appreciate your giving. When you give in the Thanksgiving offering, and even in our regular tithes and offerings, you're giving so that we can share real hope with anyone, anywhere, and that means anyone, anywhere around the world, and uh, not only do we do that in India, but here as well. Uh, we're still talking about our Thanksgiving offering because there's still about $8,000 outstanding, and we wanted you to have the opportunity and not think that it was too late. Somebody asked me not too long ago, is it too late to give in the Thanksgiving offering? It's never too late to give in the Thanksgiving offering. And so if you'd like to give, uh, all that money goes to someone else. If you haven't had an opportunity to give yours yet, we, uh, it's still open and we receive that with Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. Good morning, Salem Fields. All right, how many of you guys have your cell phones on here? We want to encourage you to continue to open up your cell phones and click on Facebook and actually check in. We want to encourage you to continue to check in. I looked and saw we've had over 34,000 check-ins here at Salem Fields, and isn't that pretty awesome? I mean, we want to encourage you guys continue to be present and be a part of that. Um, re most recently, I actually saw a neighbor of mine that lived on a, a different street, an intersecting street, and I never knew that they came to Salem Fields. And um, believe it or not, I mean, it's a great way to connect with others. So I, I want to encourage you to do Facebook check-ins. And for all the younger generation, you know, go to Instagram, right? So <laughs> we'll have you do that as well. Um, I want to tell you guys about um, Work is Worship. Um, we have an event coming up. Um, it is um, set for February the 23rd, and it's from 8 to 4 p.m. Um, one of the exciting things about this event, how many of you dread Monday morning sometime because it's like, I got to go back to work, right? I have to go to work. I don't want to go to work, but I got to go to work, right? Well, if you begin to look at work as worship, just think about that concept for a minute. Work is worship. I mean, if I operate in excellence and integrity and, and diligent in my job, I'm worshiping God. I was just sharing with the students in the back that their work is actually schoolwork. Now, how many parents are saying, yes, amen, right? I mean, if they would actually consider their schoolwork as worship to God, 
I mean, that's an exciting connection point there. And it's a mind shift and a heart shift for all of us if we begin to see that worship is really, our work is really a part of worshiping God. So um, you can get connected. Um, you can go to SalemFields.com um, forward slash work as worship to be a part of that event. All right. Also, um, we are relaunching um, our grief share. And we want to let you know that that's going to be on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. starting March the 7th. We want to encourage you, if you know someone that may be going through a time of grief, um, grief share is here for them to encourage them and help them through that process. And so we want to encourage you to get connected. For more information, you can connect as well to info at salemfields.com. Also, we have a small groups at salemfields.com you can connect to as well. Um, we also want to um, share another announcement about our Propel Women's Bible Study. Um, Propel Women's Bible Study will be going through a study um, put on by Christine Kane. Um, how many of you have heard of Christine Kane before? Um, she has a book called Unashamed, a devotional. And uh, we want to encourage you, um, if you would like to be connected with this particular Bible study for the Women's Bible Study Group, we'd love to have you be a part of that. Um, that'll be forthcoming. And again, that's on February the 23rd at 7 p.m. Um, so please, if you're interested, please get connected. Um, the last announcement that we want to share with you is an announcement about our Easter services. How many of you guys are excited Easter is coming? And it's almost here. And um, this year, it is actually on April the 1st, right? And that's no April Fool's joke. It really is April the 1st, okay? Um, but we want to ask you to do something. So 401, Pastor Buddy is, and Gay has asked us if they would, if we would all actually put an alarm on our phone, how many of you will set an alarm on your phone for 4.01 p.m. and say, I will pray for just that one minute. If you will pray for that one minute, say, God, would you help us be the light to our community this Easter? God, would you help us reach the lost? And I mean, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Could you imagine like at 4.01 every day, all of us are just stopping for that one minute, praying and saying, God, Help us reach the loss. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that and stay connected. And we thank you for being here at church today. Thank you, Trent. Well, Pastors Gay and Buddy are going to be talking more about that work as worship this morning. And so we're going to kick off that message with a song about work.
chunky winner of the fight. Walking on the streets, it's really all the same. Selling souls, rock and roll, any other day I'll be working for it. wasn't it? Working for a living. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to switch gears just a little bit. We all have been seeing in the news how difficult uh, our world is, really, and uh, the tragedy that happened in Florida. And Buddy came to my office and he said, you know, what can our response as a church be to that? And, uh, you know, I said a lot of times people will knee jerk and do things and uh, we just wanted to be very mindful and thoughtful about how we could respond because it's not just about Florida. It's about, you know, it's almost as though we're not shocked anymore because this has become a way of life in our country. And so we do want to respond. And uh, we believe that uh, this is a great response. Everybody has two of these in your, in your program, if you would pull them out. And years and years ago, Buddy and I, and we brought uh, Salem Fields in on that, made a commitment to when we drive through school zones that we would pray for the schools that are right there in the zones that we pass through. Now, Buddy and I passed through Courthouse Elementary, Smith Station, Freedom Middle. We've been doing that for 23 years. And uh, I don't think Freedom Middle's been there that long, but <laughs> the whatever others have. Was there, we did. Yeah, whatever was there, uh, we have. And you know what? They're, they've remained safe. Now, I don't know if that's because of prayer that's gone down. I don't know. But all I know is that it's a very significant thing to do for our students and our teachers and our administrators that are, that are in the schools. And uh, so we would love for you to make a commitment to do the same with us. Buddy, you can tell them about this card. Yes, we, have the, we made this card. That's actually the school zone at, uh, between Freedom and uh, Smith Station. And uh, as we Gay said, we ride through there every day and we pray a simple prayer. And that simple prayer is, God, will you watch over the students? Will you watch over the teachers? Will you watch over the administrators, school bus drivers, anybody involved in that school today? Will you keep them safe, God? Will you just protect them? And uh, may it just be a good day in the lives of the students. And also, um, <clears throat> we uh, pray for the teachers that are there, those that attend Salem Fields and other churches that are Christians and they're in the schools. And we pray that God will uh, protect and use uh, you and uh, the influence that you have with our students, that God will give you opportunity uh, to be able to witness and show Christ to our students and other teachers. So what we're asking you to do today is take this card, and uh, on the back you can sign it and uh, date it, and you can put it in the bucket when you leave. And we would love for every one of you to join us. You might say, well, why do we have to sign it? Because I just believe, we are firm believers that we commit what we sign, we commit to what we sign. And uh, so not only that, we want this card because we want to be able next week to uh, we're hoping to get made this week a little sticker that you can put up there like the oil change sticker in your windshield. 
that will remind you to pray as you go through a school zone. Not just a school zone that maybe you pass through every day, but anytime, any place, anywhere in America that you go through a school zone that you just remember to pray. Because, you know, uh, everybody's looking for a response. How do we uh, fix this problem? And uh, we just believe here at Salem Fields the best way we can do that is pray. So we put two in your program. And uh, if you would sign one, commit to it, put it in the bucket. But we also want you to give this to somebody that doesn't go to Salem Fields so that wherever they drive through, that this will be more far-reaching than just people who attend Salem Fields Community Church. And just get, get the word out there. If we can begin to cover those schools, I, I, I'll bet that all of us cover most of the schools. We drive through those zones, and, and uh, so we would love for you to do that now. We a friend don't have to sign the card and bring yeah, it back. Yeah, just, just give it to a friend and tell friends. So we would love to pray for any student and teacher here today. So if you all could stand up, please, if you're a student or a teacher in the, in the schools. Yeah, stand Thank up. Thank you. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. See, a child says, stand up. We need... We need prayer to cover you. So, buddy, would you pray? First of all, teachers, we thank you for your service. Yes, and do. students, we pray for you today. So we're going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask, O oh Lord, that you would watch over our students, Lord. We pray that you would be with each one, God. Father, they live in an environment, they go to school in an environment I can't even imagine, Lord. And so I'm praying, God, for your protection and your watch care over each of our students. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and give them a good uh, days at school, Lord, and help them to walk into school feeling safe, knowing, God, that you're there to protect them and watch over them, Lord. And we pray for the teachers, Lord, that uh, give of themselves, Father, and uh, they, they go every day, Father, every day, all day, and they're with students, Lord, and they got uh, stress and all the things that they deal with and all the problems that the students bring into the classroom, Lord, we pray, dear God, that you would just uh, watch over each one, protect them, Lord, give them wisdom, strength, and courage. And Father, we pray that you would use these teachers, Father, as a godly influence in our, in our schools, Lord. We just believe, God, that you're going to just protect every school in our county, our state, and throughout America, Lord, because we're going to commit to pray, Lord, and uh, believe, God, uh, that, Lord, we're not praying to take uh, our students and teachers out of all that mess, but, God, that you will protect them and watch over them, and bless them, and use them, we pray. Father, thank you, and we pray for the families in Florida right now, God, those who have lost their beautiful children, Lord, those families, and God, we pray that you would wrap your loving arms around them, all the students that are mourning, and confused, and scared, God. We just pray, God, that, uh, that God, that you would just move in there, and God, that you would bring healing, and hope, and revival in the lives of those families, and the, those school children, Lord, students, and all that happens, God, because of uh, your love and our prayers, we give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue. Uh, we are talking about work as worship today. Watch this. What is work? What is this thing to which we devote most of our waking hours in the prime of our lives? Is it a curse? A punishment? A burden? A responsibility? Why do we work? What is the purpose? To put food on the table, to support our families, to get out of the house, to get rich, to be challenged, to build. 
to accomplish, to prove oneself, to show the doubters, to achieve, to succeed, to invent, to create, to compete, to conquer, to build wealth, to search for meaning, to leave a legacy, to find identity. But what if there's more? What if we are divinely placed wherever we are? What if it's about what we can give, not just what we get? What if work is an opportunity to worship our Creator and bring Him glory? Not just by the words we say, not just by the quality of our character, but by the excellence of our work. What is work? Work is worship. This thing about work, you know, I, I just believe today that we really, it's a, it's a mindset shift. And I think if you would be willing, as I have been through this, uh, to open up your mind today. Just say, Lord, would, would you just speak to my mind and my heart about this thing called work? There was a national survey, 180,000 people were surveyed, 180,000, and 80% of those people that were surveyed indicated that they, had, that they disliked their work, that they disliked their job. Now, what that means is that probably 80% of all of us that walked in here today really dislike our work or something about it. And uh, so many of us get up in the morning, and you know, Buddy has coined this phrase, where we get up in the morning, we eat a little breakfast, and we come home just to eat a little dinner, and we go to bed just to get up in the morning to eat a little breakfast and go to, to work and, and uh, just to eat a little dinner and go to bed and get up and do the whole thing over again. And, and we can get in such a rut and it becomes something that we just do because we do it. We hardly even think about it anymore because we get up and go to school. And uh, it's just part of our routine. And so what I believe God wants us to do is open our mind to something that maybe he wants us to see that we haven't been seeing about our work. You see, that's a sad commentary that 80% of the people, at least in that survey, are spending most of their life kind of miserable and uh, just really kind of down and out. Does anybody remember Dobie Gillis? You remembered Hugh, Huey Lewis in the news, but Dobie Gillis, there was a show. You, you don't want to admit it because that means you're old. <laughs> I remember him, and I loved him, and uh, he was so fun. And he said this. He said, I don't have anything against work. I just figure why deprive somebody who really loves it, right? I don't need to work. <laughs> Give it to somebody that loves it. Well, that basically states the, the challenge of what we're going to look at in this message today. How can we find enjoyment in our work so that we don't get in this rut, in this routine, that the, the things that annoy us get so big and that becomes who we are and how we uh, are involved in our life on a daily basis? There seems to be so many people that are frustrated. It's interesting, throughout, through the two uh, services that we've had, we've had a whole mix of people say, I, I really hate my job, to people that say, you know, I really did find out why God had me in that position. That was a government position pretty, pretty high up. But there are uh, several reasons why people hate their job. Let's just look at a few, and I'll do a little survey here and see what applies to you. First of all, you're not paid enough. How many... There's, you guys are afraid to put your hand up. 
you're not paid enough because what that would say is I deserve a whole lot more than what I'm getting. But a lot of people, yeah, there's a lot of people that'll say I don't get paid enough. Secondly, your boss drives you crazy. Now, nobody here at Salem Fields raised their hand on that one. <laughs> I couldn't figure that out. But yeah, there's, yeah, I know that there are more people here than that two-handed gentleman that just put a, <laughs> that your boss drives you crazy. Uh, I did have someone come to me last night and she said, my boss drives me crazy. Don't you own your own business? <laughs> yeah, she said, I do. I drive me crazy. Um, okay, your job is boring. Boring. Yes, thank you. Thank you for being so brave. My job is boring. You strongly dislike the people you work with. Now, last night, Kelly raised his hand really high. <laughs> Couldn't figure out what that was all about. But uh, the people that you work with, you just don't, they get on your last nerve. And the last one is you're working in the wrong career. You know that you're just in the wrong place. Anybody like that? Yeah, you guys are really hesitant. But anyway, uh, just brew it around in, inside. According to Business Insider, the average worker will put in 90,000 hours at work in a lifetime. Now that is a lot of time. That is 11,440 days somewhere around there. I figured that up. And you know how what a chunk of that is in our life? 30 years. And that means that we spend a bulk of our life being pretty miserable, does it need to be that way? No, we don't have to be stuck in that cycle. And that's what this work at worship is all about, worship at work. Because scripture talks about the purpose of work and how we can actually get up every day and anticipate what's gonna happen in that day. Now, that's kind of a general statement because not every day are we gonna feel like getting up and and anticipating, but at the same time, we can increase that if we begin to look at the mindset that maybe we've had that needs to be shifted. We could be excited about what God is going to do in that day, and that's what we're going to look at today. Now, work is part of God's plan for our life. To understand God's plan, we really need to look at how God views work. First of all, God cares about work. He sees it as very significant. He takes it very seriously. And work has had a fundamental value in people's lives for, since the beginning of time. Now, in creation, in the Garden of Eden, humankind didn't have to work. It was a perfect environment, and they didn't have to work for their physical needs. But Adam and Eve, being the two humans that they were, and like we humans, we think we know better than God, they went outside of God's design. And at that point in Genesis 3, we see in 17 and 18, we see that now work was a curse. The toiling and the working of the ground became a curse. However, God always made a way for us to get out from under that that is not the most important nor the only reason for work. What makes our work significant, worthy of honor and dignity, is that God asks us to work. In uh, Deuteronomy, Moses said this. He said, serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your mind 
and keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes. He said, serve the Lord with all of your heart. Now, it's really important for us to uh, look at how it's not the task that makes our work significant. It's not, if we surveyed everyone here, we probably have different responsibilities, different workplaces, different kinds of work. But it's not that task that makes it significant to God. If you're a student, if you work at home, if you're retired, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's secular work. It doesn't matter if it's sacred work. The Bible does not differentiate between the two. It doesn't divide it up. Whether you're selling pigs or you're selling cars or you're working on computers or you're serving communion or you're preaching a sermon, your service, your work is what is equally important to God. You know, we humans, we tend to place value on how important work is. We'll say a, a government official is so much more important than that pig farmer. But that's not what God says. That is not what God says. He doesn't look at, oh, you do that. That's really, no, he says, oh, you do that. You work. You're doing as I've asked you to do. And so we want to look at God's view of work. He cares about it first. God designed us, every single one of us, with a combination of gifts and talents and interests. None of us are exactly the same. He, he put that together in us for a particular purpose and a particular reason, and that reason is so that your life can bring him glory. That's his whole point, and it's so very possible. You see, every single one of us was custom made. You know, you'll go into a subdivision and you'll see houses that all look exactly alike, right? And then you'll go into another one where each house looks very different. They're all custom made. There's not any one of them that's exactly like another. That's exactly how God designed us. We're all different. We are custom made. There is nobody like you in the whole world with the combinations of gifts, talents, and interests that you have. And they were created in us by God, and he wants us to use those gifts for his work, for, for work, just for work. It says in Ephesians, it says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, what that means is he placed, he designed you so that you would have the combination that you have so that you could work, so that you could fulfill your purpose and fulfill his at the same time. The Bible says that we are his workmanship, and the Greek word for that is poema. Now, that's the, the word for poem. You are God's poem. Are we adding that kind of creativity and that kind of rhythm to our world? Can you imagine if everybody did that, if everybody discovered that they were the, the poem of God and, and we're, we're working that out, we are God's poem. We are his work of art. We are God's masterpiece, every single one of us in a bit of a different way. Now, he designed us to express those gifts and talents and abilities and interests in work. And that's why work is uh, God's will for our life. It's part of his plan 
for our life. Secondly, God intends for that work that we do to be meaningful, beneficial, and fulfilling. In other words, more than just to put food on the table or more than just to make our house payments. You know, so many of us live with, oh, am I gonna get the house payment made? Am I gonna have food to eat this week? That's not why God gave us work. He intends for it to be beneficial and fulfilling. It's more than putting the kids through school or getting enough money to go on vacation or stacking up our bank account so that the day that we retire, you know about retirement? Retirement is not mentioned in the Bible one time. You know, so many people say to Buddy and I, they'll say, when are you, you going to retire? And people are using that word retirement. And I said, retirement is not in my vocabulary. We may be transitioning to the next stage of what God has for us in our life, but retirement is not a word that I use in my life. Because God will have a purpose for my life until the day that I die, and then I get to see him. God designed us so that we could be fulfilled through the work that we do. Now, some people just want to stack up the savings account so that we can retire and then just kind of kick back. That just won't work for me. Retirement is not in the Bible. Work is meant to fulfill our life, and many people think that that's the goal. But work is part of God's plan for our life. Thirdly, work is to express what God created in me. If you don't get anything else out of this, out of what I say, if you're miserable at work, you're probably in a job that does not fit your talents, your gifts, and your abilities and interests. Or if you are, you may be there and your mindset needs to change. Because if we don't grasp this, if we don't get this thing that we're talking about, work as worship, it could easily turn into a spiritual problem. And the spiritual problem is that we have an ungrateful heart and that we begin to get critical. And when we get critical, we put off kind of this little venomous attitude. And we may be in the right place with the wrong attitude, or we may be in the wrong place. And so we need to take a look at that. See, this is far more important than what we may think it is. We are responsible to know and to use the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God has placed within us to work in our world. In 1 Corinthians, it says, but as God has distributed to each one, every single one of us, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. That means that we're to take, we're to know what we're gifted with, know what our talents and our interests are, and then we are to walk in that. See, if Christ isn't Lord of my work, then he really isn't Lord of my life. We talk about finances and putting God first in our finances, and we say if God isn't first in our finances, then he really isn't Lord of our life. You see, so many Christians don't make the connection between Sunday and Monday. We kind of have these two compartments. We, we tend to think that we have the spiritual life, and then we have the rest of our life, a secular life. And in my spiritual life, I go to church and I might pray, I might read my Bible, but that's my spiritual life and that's one compartment. And then I have my everyday life. 
where now it's back to work and into this environment that I really don't like with people that I really don't care for and things that I really don't like doing. And, and we think then, now we're in that life, my job, my career, my finances, my pension plan, my recreation, my kids, my home life, that's my life. But the reality of it is that's mistaken because everything about our life is spiritual. All of life is spiritual. There is no separation between what I do out there and what I do in here. You see, God is as interested in your work as he is in your prayers. God is as interested in every part of our life just as much as he is about us going to church or reading our Bible. He cares about that. The truth is, our relationship to Christ, it's like a marriage. Now, what do you think it would be like if I went to Buddy and I said, now, Buddy, I think I only want to be married on the weekends. I think that's a kind of a really good plan. And then the rest of the time, I can just do whatever I want with whomever I want. No, it's not how I work. It's not how all of that works. Everything about our life is spiritual. Marriage is a full-time relationship, and so is our relationship with Christ. If we're not a Christian at work, we're really not a Christian at church either, really. Our work involves our whole life. So that's God's view on work, and Buddy's going to come, and he's going to challenge us on uh, work as worship and how it can actually turn from dread to joy. There you go, bud. One thing that she said there that I kind of think maybe might have got brushed over is if God's not Lord of your work, he's not Lord at all. He's not Lord of your whole life. He's not Lord of all. And so how do we make this thing uh, worship, how do we make that a part of our uh, work? Romans 12.1 says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God. God, I offer you my life, dedicated to his service, Pleasing to him, this is a true worship you should offer. Now, there are two key phrases that I just want to mention to you. First of all, offer yourselves. God, here I am. Here is my life. And the words, true worship. Now, what Paul is saying in this passage is that worship's not just something you do on Sunday. You know, our spiritual lives, as Gay said, is not just something that happens on the weekends. It's our whole life. And what we, we kind of we kind of say, we come together, we gather here, and we say to ourselves, wow, what a great worship service that was. Boy, I love that music. That's just a really, really tiny part of worship. Paul is saying in this passage, worship is not just something I do on Sunday. You see, worship is something I do with my whole life. You see, worship is showing worth to God. Worship is anytime I'm expressing my love to God. That's what worship is. It's expressing our love to God in every area of our lives. And anytime that we express love to God, we're worshiping. Now, really, if you could grasp this, if you would just tune into this and what we've saying this morning, if you could grasp this, grasp this, it could change your life. It could change your spiritual life. And it could change your work life. You see, I can express God, uh, worship through my work. Now, I can express worship uh, playing golf. Now, I've played with some of you, and you've got to work on that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but I can express uh, worship at eating at a restaurant, driving in my car. Gay, you know, she puts her top down. That's her place, and she turns on the music and get out of her way because she's worshiping. She's not paying attention. <laughs> you know, hanging with your friends, that can be worship. You know, at school, it can be worship. You can worship God in any place that you are, and you can worship God through your work. Now, that's good news. You see, you might not be able to preach, and you might not be able to teach, you might not be able to sing, you might not be able to play an instrument, or, or whatever, but you can use your hands. You can use your mind, and you can work to the glory of God. And that's so important to grasp. So today, I want to quickly give you three things that will turn your work into worship and make your work more exciting, okay? First, Work can become worship by choosing a work, choosing a work or choosing a job that expresses the gifts and abilities that God has given you. Now, choose a job that best expresses who God made you to be. What I mean by that, if you're good at selling things, then find a job selling. If you're gifted at teaching, then become a teacher. You know, if you're good working with children, then get a job where you're working with children. If you're good with numbers, find a job in accounting or engineering or computers. If you're good at fixing cars, get a job where you fix cars. If you're good at building, then get a job as a builder, a carpenter, or so on and so on. The Bible says that Romans, in Romans 12, 6, that, uh, how we should choose our work. Paul says, so we are to use our different gifts in accordance with the grace that God has given us. Now, you see, the Bible says that God has given us spiritual gifts. Now, that doesn't mean everybody has a spiritual gift. What that means, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift or gifts. God gives every believer a spiritual gift. And, and the Bible's saying here that God wants us to choose our work based on uh, uh, our gifts, on the spiritual gifts that he has given us. You see, the fact is, when creation does what it's meant to do, that brings glory to God. You know, when a bird sings or a baby cries, it brings glory to God. You know, we want to shut that baby up, but really that baby cries. That's what babies do and other things. <laughs> and it's to bring glory to God. And when we be and do what God made us to be and do, we worship God. We are expressing our love to God. You bring joy to your creator, and you also turn your work into a place of worship, which can take the dread out of your job. You know, because it, it pleases God. It delights God. It makes God happy when we're using our gift. You see, God doesn't just delight when we're doing spiritual things, as Gay said, praying, reading our Bible, going to church, worshiping, whatever, in a small group. God smiles on us when we're doing what we are gifted to do. When we're, when we're using the spiritual gifts that he gave us. If you complete a job or complete a project or you develop a new software or you, you write a new song or you teach a, a young child or you drive a school bus or you lay carpet or you fix a car or you build a building or you lead a staff, God is happy. He smiles on that because we're using the gifts that God gave us. Look at Romans 12, 2 again. The Bible says, don't conform to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then you will be able to know the will of God. How many of you would say, I'd like to know the will of God? Anybody here? A lot of you say, I'd like to know the will of God. Then the Bible says, Paul says, don't conform to the standards of this world. 
And that means don't conform to the standards of this world when it comes to your job. Now, what's the standards uh, for a job today in America? You know, if you go for an interview and you're looking for a job, uh, you usually want to know how much money you will make. And, and we want to know what's the benefit package. Well, I ha how many hours will I have to work and do I have to work hard? You know, what gives me the most status? What, what gives me the best hours? You know, that, that's, what, that's, what, that's, the, uh, the, that's what the standards of this world. As you're looking for a job and you want to know how much you'll get paid, what the work hours are, all that stuff. And those aren't legitimate reasons for working. You see, the, the bigger question is, does it use the gifts that God gave you? I mean, instead of being the first thing you ask to your uh, prospective uh, uh, boss, rather than asking them, uh, how much money will I get paid? Maybe you should ask yourself, is this what God made me to do? Is this, how, is this how God wants me to use the spiritual gifts that he's given me? You know, why do you think I'm a pastor? You know, you probably say, I, I do like to know that. <laughs> because I'm a pastor because God gifted me to be a pastor. If money were the motivation in my life, and I would be a vice president at Truck Enterprise today because I got to tell you, I was good in retail business. Not bragging, that's the truth. I was really good in the retail truck business. But that's not what God made me to do. He made me to be a pastor. And if money was Gay's motivation in life, she would be a marriage and family counselor and, and she'd be counseling 12 hours a day. I mean, because they make good money every hour, but that's not what God called her to be. You see, he called her to use those skills to lead a church and to write a book and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, so that it could help young leaders. You know, we came here uh, a few years ago, 23 years ago, they interviewed us and, and, and I mean, ridiculously made a decision to hire us. <laughs> and I can promise you, we didn't say, how much you go pay us? How many hours do you expect of us? What do you want us to do every day? I mean, we didn't ask any of those questions. We did not say anything because we knew that we knew that God had called us and this is what he wanted us to give our life to. And they put our salary on a little sheet of paper, uh, Mary Gunter, and stuck it in my hand and closed my hand up. And I got to the car, we opened it up and said $22,000 a year for both of us. I said, oh my Lord. But that's not how we chose whether we'd come here or not. You see, so the first thing you need to ask yourself is, what did God make me to be? You might ask, well, buddy, what if this job I'm in doesn't, I'm not using my spiritual gifts? You ready? Quit. Just quit. I mean, if you're getting up 11,200 and some days a year, and most of those days you're getting up and you're dreading going to work, then I would say to you, you ought to make plans to quit. You ought to walk into your boss tomorrow and say, take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Because I believe God intends us to take this job that he's given us and loving it. And if you're not loving it, you're in the wrong job. 
You see, you need to use a job where God, you're using your gifts and talents. It's very important. This is a very important issue in your spiritual life. I mean, because if we're dreading work 11,000 days of our life or four days of every week, then that is going to bleed over into our spiritual lives. That's going to bleed over into our family lives. That's going to bleed over into every area of our lives when we hate our job. And we're not going to be very effective as witnesses for Jesus Christ when we hate our job. So get into what God made you to be. Next, another way you can worship at work is by working as though I'm working for God. The Bible says, whatever you do, work at it with all of all your heart as though you are working for the Lord. For Christ is the real master you serve. Now the Bible is saying here, that no job is too small, no job is too insignificant when you have the right motive and the right perspective for it. Ask yourself, have you ever asked yourself this? If not, ask yourself this. Are you doing this job for the Lord? Because the Bible says whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as though you were working for the Lord. And you can know that you're working for the Lord. There's two ways that you can know you're working for the Lord. If, if I'm doing my work not for my boss, but I'm doing it really for the Lord, and you want to know if that's true, then you're doing it with excellence. I mean, your boss can count on you that when he gives you a job or a project or sends you out uh, or whatever, that he knows or she knows that you're going to do that job with excellence. You're going to give it your very best shot. You're going to do it with the best of your ability, the very, very best you can. That means I give it my best shot. I do the best I can because I'm not doing it for my boss's approval. I'm doing it for God's approval. So I do it with excellence the best I can. And number two, I do it with enthusiasm because I'm not doing it for my boss. I'm doing it for God. I'm working for God. Therefore, I will do it with a cheerful attitude. I mean, when your boss gets on your nerves and you just like to pop him or whatever or her, you just say to yourself, you know what, boss? I'm not working for you anyway. I'm working for the Lord. You might not want to tell him or you might not want to tell your boss that, but I can tell you when you say, you know what, it don't matter if you drive me crazy. I'm not working for you anyway. I'm here because this is, I'm working, I'm using my gifts and talents, I'm doing the very best I can, and I'm working for the Lord, I'm doing it with excellence, and I'm happy to be here whether you like me or not. Look at this verse, never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Okay, the last one. I can worship at work by having love as my number one motive for work. Having love. You ever thought about that? That your number one motive for going to work tomorrow is because of love. The Bible says do all your work in love. In 1 Corinthians 16 and 1 Corinthians 13 it says, if I have no love, I achieve precisely nothing. In other words, if I'm going to work tomorrow and I don't have love, and if I don't love God, with all of my heart, if I don't love my neighbor as myself, then stay home because it doesn't matter. You know, what I'm saying is that any job can be turned into worship when I model Christ's love in that job. You know, you might be there in that job. I believe you are. To shine the light of Jesus into a dark world. 
I mean, there are coworkers and people you work with, and when you're going around and you're griping and you're complaining and you're hating on the boss and you're hating on the coworkers and you're saying all kinds of negative and evil things about your job, who in the world is going to want to come to your church or even that love your God? You see, when I God's put me in that job, my number one motive is to love my coworkers, not hate on them. My job is to love my boss, to love my clients, to love my customers, to let the light of Jesus shine. Folks, we live in a world that needs love. Mother Teresa said, it's not what you do so much that matters, but how much, you, how much love you put in it. How much love are you putting into your job? John Ruskin said, when love and skill come together, expect a masterpiece. I love that. When love and skill, love and, and, our, and our gifts and talents come together, expect a masterpiece. So to just to wrap this up, I, I just want to say this in closing. First of all, if you got time and you want to invest in your work and in your life and your spiritual life, I would just invite you to be a part of the work as worship uh, webinar this weekend. It's going to be great this week. 25 bucks all day long and, um, well, from 7.30 or 8 to about 4. But here's what I say. Embrace your work. Embrace your work as you're working for the Lord. I mean, what an attitude change to realize in the morning when you get up that you're going to work and you're working for the Lord and so you're going to do the very best you can and you're going to do it with a good attitude and a good spirit and the people around you are going to say, wow, what has changed in their life? I mean, really, when your coworkers and your boss or whoever, when they see you come to the door, they say, oh, no, here comes old grumpy. And they're going to hate on somebody. Or that when they see you coming, they say, man, I want what they have. I want to have that kind of attitude. I want to have that kind of spirit. I want the people around me to know that I love Jesus and I'm working for him today. So embrace your work diligently and try to grasp the importance of this message in our spiritual lives. I mean, it is no small deal. As Gay said, we separate that, but there's no separating that. We separate our worship and we say, I'm going to church to worship. And how about if you say, I'm going to church, I'm going to work to worship. I mean, it is, it is at utmost importance, especially in this world that we live in. Folks, Jesus said, let our light shine. And I've got to be, I'm fearful that our light has gone out in this dark world and the world's getting darker and darker and darker and we want to blame the government and we want to blame the world and we want to blame these people that do all this bad stuff. But I'm saying to us, God said, let your light shine so that people see Jesus and want him. You know, sometimes Gay and I will go home and say, man, why do, we, why do we just do another message? Why don't we just do the same one over and over? You know, I think of Phil, who was here last, uh, two weeks ago, and he's in heaven now. And I was talking to his family. His family said he came seven years, and I think they said he missed two Sundays. Because he understood the importance of that. You know, try being married and never going home. Because people say it's not important to be a Christian and go to church to be a Christian. Well, you might think that. But like I said, try being a married and never going home. 
But he came. But that's not what I want to say. I don't know why I got hung on that. But here's what I want to say. He had seven years of message notes in a notebook. And every Sunday when he went home in the evening before he went to bed, he took out his sermon notes and he reviewed them. Now, I'm not saying that every message we preach is a masterpiece, but I can tell you this. We pray about what we're going to speak and believe that God is leading us to speak that. So every week, he'd take that message notes out, and he'd review those before he go to bed. Matter of fact, I got the sense that he did that right before he passed away because he said he was reading his Bible. It's important that we get hold of this message and then seek to live out our vocation as an act of worship. And that includes me in a church environment or our staff so that we can give glory to God. And I believe if we'll do that, I believe you could get up in the morning raring to go. I mean, not every morning. I know there's some morning you say, oh my gosh, traffic's horrible. Oh gosh, you know, I know that. But most every morning we can get up raring to go. Can't wait to get to work. Why? Because I'm going to work for the Lord today. I'm going to worship God today at my work. And when people see me, they're going to see Jesus in me. And to help you start your day, I'd like for you to pray this prayer. Might want to put it on your mirror, on your mirror when you're brushing your teeth and washing your face or doing whatever you do in the morning. Father, today I want to worship you through my work. Simple prayer. Every day. Every day until it becomes a habit. You know, brushing your teeth is a habit. Praying that prayer could become a habit. And I believe God would answer that prayer. Okay. Yeah, I think you all come close in prayer. God bless you guys. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you love us, that you care about us. Father, we thank you that you look at our work and care about that as well. And Father, so many of us will rest this evening and get up again tomorrow morning and go to work. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll work in each one of our minds to refresh and renew the purpose that you've given us. First of all, Lord, by being thankful that we have a job to go to. Father, for being thankful that we can allow our work to be a place of worship. To be thankful, Lord, that people no matter how grumpy they are, don't need to be in charge of our life when we're working for you. So, Father, I pray that you'll work in our hearts this morning, that minds have been opened, that hearts have been softened to your word, Lord, that you'll begin to transform our mind from just something that we do to who we are in you. There's no doubt, Lord, that there's a lot of light that can shine as a result of all of us here today. And I pray, Lord, that those lines would blur between Sunday and Monday and all the rest of the week, that we can see it as our opportunity to meet with you first and then to shine the light of Jesus wherever we go. Sure, Lord, there are going to be days when it's really hard to do that, and I pray, Lord, that you'd give us the strengthen the power to just go through those times, those hours, those moments, find rest and come out on the other side and allow that light to shine once again. So Father, thank you for each person here this morning. 
for those, Lord, throughout the weekend that this message has penetrated to the hearts and minds. For those online, Lord, I pray that we would have a new perspective, all because we've met with you here today. Father, we honor you. We thank you that you made a way for us to use our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our interests to go out into the world and make a difference. We give you all the praise for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and worship.
Father, with our eyes clearly opened to the fact that you've placed us in a position, Father, to be a light, God, to let our work be worshipped, to let every facet of our lives be worshipped, Lord. So I just pray that we go in obedience, Lord, for what you've spoken to us here this morning. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being here this weekend. Invite someone with you next Sunday, and we hope you have a great week. Love you guys.